Jennifer Purcell, and welcome to my podcast, Living with an Invisible Learning Challenge, where we will discuss, discover, and learn more about the challenges and triumphs of those with NLD and other learning challenges. I do have a website for this podcast, and it is called livingwithnld.com. I also have a Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter account for the podcast. They are all under the same name, which is Living with NLD. I also have a YouTube channel for the podcast, which can be found by Googling the title of the podcast, which is Living with an Invisible Learning Challenge. I would like to tell you about a nonprofit that I use for my research for this podcast. It is called The NBLD Project, and I use their blog for my research. They are a nonprofit that is based in New York and is trying to get NVLD back on the DSM, and they provide many resources for people with NVLD on their website. I'll provide you with the website for them in the podcast description. All proceeds from the ads on this podcast will be donated towards the NVLD project. Please feel free to explore the other topics on the podcast, and hopefully you will learn something new from them. I hope you enjoy today's episodes. To access the testimonials, there are two ways. There's a testimonial page with the full quotes, and then there is a slideshow on the home page with excerpts of the longer ones and the short ones. On the last uh image of the testimonial quote with Julia's quote, you can click on it and it will take you to the testimonial page where it shows you all of them with the full quoted testimonials. I did it that way because I wanted it to be easier to read on the homepage since some of them were a little longer than a testimonial usually is. And then I wanted to make sure that you could see the whole testimonial on the testimonial page. So I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, you can email me at livingwithnld at gmail.com and I will try to show you how to access it. Thank you. Hope you're having a good weekend. Bye. Okay, so today I'm going to be talking about ghosting and NLD. And if I mess up during the script, that's because it's not an easy thing for me to talk about. It's something I recently experienced. So I want to talk about how ghosting relates to neurotypicals and NVLD years today. It happens more with people who have NLD because of them not being able to read social cues and being more naive and innocent. Also because people with NLD have issue with believing that anyone will have any reason to hurt them. I will share my experiences of being ghosted and I also have some neurotypical friends who will share their experiences of being ghosted and I also have some NBLD friends that will share their experiences. But before I start I would like to share some songs with you that I think are about this topic. Never Alone by Jesse Bonano, now by Mallory Hope, 
Beloved by Jordan Felice, Haters by Todrick Hall, Flashlight by Hunter Hayes, I Do by Astrid S. and Brett Young, Not Over You by Brett Young, Problems by Arizona, Breakups by C. Forth, The Best Thing I Never Had by Beyonce, And I'll Be There by Jess Glenn. Also, please listen to Enough Love by Super Famous Mike. I'll put those titles in the podcast description for you so you can see the names and the artists' names. Also, I know that the song Do You Want to Build a Snowman from the movie Frozen is about death and loneliness. I feel like it captures some of the feelings one would have after being ghosted because of the grief of losing that relationship and feeling lonely after being ghosted. So I've been ghosted four times. I'll tell you what happened overall with each, but not too many details. And I won't be naming anyone because my goal isn't vengeance. My goal is to make NBLDers and their typicals feel included, not alone. So here are my stories of being ghosted. Before, but before I start on those, I would like to define ghosting for those who do not know what it is. Ghosting is when someone who used to be friendly or even romantic with you suddenly cuts off all communication without explanation. While most people think of ghosting in additional contents, sorry, context, being a friend or a dating partner, sometimes responding to texts, emails, calls, etc. It can happen all across social circumstances. Okay. So the first time it happened to me was with a girl that I knew from a math class in college. We had always hung out in class and outside doing homework together. The next year when we didn't have a class together and I was trying to hang out with her, she never responded to my messages because she was in a club that kept her very busy. Eventually I decided to stop reaching out to her because I realized she would never respond. And I realized it was pointless. The second time was with a guy that I was chatting with through a dating app and he never got back with me to try to see if we wanted to go out with each other. So I realized that he was ghosting me. It didn't hurt as much the first one as with, sorry, let me start that over. I'm trying to say that the second one didn't hurt as much as the first one because I wasn't close to the guy and I wasn't close to the girl either, but it was the first time that it happened. And the next two were friends from church. The first one didn't hurt as much as the second one from church because I was closer to the other girl. With each one, I thought I had close friends with these girls, but I was wrong and was not gauging the scale of other relationships or friendships correctly. I think that happens often with people who have NLD 
because they are hungry and eager for relationships and they are willing to connect and reach out more than neurotypicals. Ghosting happens more to people with NLD, not only because of their naivety and innocence, but because they can't read social cues very well. And because, like I said before, they are hungry and more eager for relationships. And they may not be able to be tell, be able to tell that they are going to be ghosted or that they are being ghosted by somebody. So that doesn't really help. Also, if they lose relationships more instead of keeping and nurturing them, then they are going to have that hunger and eagerness increase rather than decreasing. Instead of using articles about ghosting, I reached out to several of my NLD and neurotypical friends to share their own stories of being ghosted. And here are their stories. They have introduced themselves at the beginning of each story so you know who they are. And I will try to share how I can relate to them after each one. The first one will be from Chloe, who has been on this podcast three times. The first time she was on this podcast, she her voice was done by one of my friends, Natalie. And um, then the next two times she was on with her mom. And um, actually, I think the first time she was on, her voice was done by Janine. But um, anyways, here is Chloe's story of being ghosted. Hello, my name is Chloe Steele. I have nonverbal learning disability and ADHD. At the beginning of 2021, my mom and I were interviewed on this podcast. We shared our stories and viewpoints on my learning challenges. Today, I'm going to talk about ghosting. The definition of ghosting is suddenly ending a personal relationship with someone without explanation. Because I have ADHD, I also have one of the common symptoms that comes with it called rejection-sensitive dysphoria. RSD is extreme emotional pain and sensitivity triggered by the perception that a person has been rejected or criticized by important people in their life. I am highly affected by RSD, especially in this particular situation. So I text a cousin or a family member. They don't text back for a couple days. And what do I immediately think because of my RSD? Oh no, they hate me. I must have said something stupid. Are they even okay? I might need to call and make sure they're okay. Maybe they just never want to talk to me again. You see how I just spiral? I always think the worst when someone doesn't reply right away. RSD can play a huge role in nonverbal learning disability as well. If I look at someone's face and I interpret their expression as angry, I'll freak out. Like, why are you mad at me? What's wrong? What did I do wrong? Really, I find out later that they're not mad at anyone. They're just thinking about something. So yeah, ghosting doesn't have to be real. It can be perceived. But if it is real, it's best to just leave the person alone because they're doing it for a reason. So I hope you were able to learn something from Chloe's story. And I can relate to her story because I do the same thing as she does. Rejection, sensitive, dysgraphia. I think I said that correctly. I always go to the worst case scenario when someone doesn't respond to me even if they're not ghosting me. Because I wonder if they're okay, 
alive, I know that's exaggerating or going to the worst case scenario, or thinking badly about something I said to them recently. When it may not have anything to do with me, it just may be them and that they're busy or had a bad day. It's better not to do the worst case scenario and maybe ask a friend of that person or loved one to see how they're doing so you don't have to worry too much. The next story will be from Lauren, who has been on this podcast as well. And she was in the episode about strengths and differences with NLD. And I hope you can also gain something out of her story. Hi, my name is Lauren. I'm 22 years old. I live in Canada and I've worked the last three years as a correctional officer. I've got a small farm with some cows, chickens, my dog, uh, to name a few. So I was ghosted by some very close friends a few years ago. These were people I'd grown up with, gone to school with, like from grade 7 to 12. Um, I guess it really started in grade 12. They started to just not invite me to some things, like maybe to a party or to a movie. Um, just whenever they'd hang out sometimes. And me, I was just a naive 17-year-old. I kept giving them the benefit of the doubt and continued to just be a loyal friend and jump whenever they needed me to jump. After high school graduation, we had a big grab party. We all had so much fun hanging out, you know, like old times. So I thought we were back to normal. But of course, once we all started going to separate colleges and universities, they really cut me off. And I thought to myself, this is just what happens after high school. You know, it happens. Um, but still, I would text them all a couple times a week, just checking in, seeing how they were doing. But as the months went by, the responses got smaller and smaller. And I eventually I just realized they never reached out to me. I was always the one to reach out to them. So I finally got the hint and I gave up. I, also, I thought that they'd all gone their separate ways as well until eventually I began seeing pictures of them on social media all hanging out, partying, just going out to dinner or whatever, all just kind of hanging out still. And then it was then that I realized I was just completely shut out and they were all still, they were all still friends, but they just didn't want me in their group. Uh, I tried not to let it get to me, as like, truly, I never really was a social person, definitely introverted, but I really miss my friends, um, and it did hurt to know that, like, these people who I'd hung up with my entire life, that my friendship meant very little to them, and not once did they ever reach out to me while I was in college, like, not unless I messaged them first. I was... I actually got pretty lonely and depressed for for a while in college. Um, I have never been good at reading social cues. And though I'm a lot better at it now, mostly thanks to my line of work. <laughs> um, at the time, I just couldn't understand why they ghosted me. I guess the way I got through it was just I realized 
Like that's that's life and it's going to happen. It probably won't be the last time. People are going to hurt you. Um, I just really focused on my schooling. Um, I pushed really hard in my physical training to pass because there is this test that correctional officers have to pass. Um, so I trained really hard in school to pass that. And I did eventually. Um, and it was then I kind of just chose not to let what others think get to me or what other people like that. I didn't need other people. I could just do it myself. And I've been successful in my life without, without those particular friends. Um, I guess if I have any advice or anything to say, it would just be keep going when you want to quit and be your own son. Because you can't always count on others to be there for you. And yeah, just be your own son. Thank you. So I can relate to Lauren's story. And thank you for doing your story, Lauren. Hers, I can remember well when I was in Girl Scouts because the girls that were in my troop were very cliquish and made fun of me. And that's why I quit Girl Scouts. And I didn't hear back from some of the girls that I thought were my friends. So I guess that could be counted as ghosting. I only have one friend from Girl Scouts now and no, she was not one of the friends who made fun of me. But I do remember that when I was in Girl Scouts, it wasn't, it, some of it was a fun experience, but just the fact that they were clicks in there made it not fun and also the fact that the leaders didn't do anything about it and they knew that there were clicks and they knew what the clicks were doing so that didn't help that just made it worse and the next story will be from ellen who has not been on this podcast but maybe she will be in the future if she wants to and she has a very good story even though it's a long one, I included it because I think it does a very good job of explaining ghosting and what can happen with it. Hi, my name is Ellen. I am 23 and living in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm a social worker and I have had my NLD diagnosis for about five years. Um, so Jennifer asked me to share a story about a time I got ghosted and how I dealt with it. And it's actually so funny, um, because I had to talk for about 17 minutes before I even remembered a time that I had been ghosted and it was hurtful. Um, so the story basically goes that... I um, was diagnosed with NLD my senior year of high school because my parents really just wanted me to be on medication for anxiety. Like I was having terrible panic attacks um, throughout my junior and senior year of high school and they wanted to make sure that I was off to a good start for college. And what was discovered um, through my um, psychological testing was that I had 
this learning disorder. And what was super interesting about that was this whole realm of advocacy that I needed to be learning that I hadn't yet, um, telling people what I needed. And that included, of course, um, telling people that if they just left me on red on um, massive um, social media indexes, um, I wouldn't be able to perceive that as a social cue that they didn't want to speak with me anymore. Um, I never had a problem with double, triple texting, having full conversations um, with no other person present because um, that's kind of normal. Um, people with NLD kind of monologue a lot um, and don't take really great conversational turns. Um, and so for me, um, that was pretty normal. I'd have a full conversation with myself and somebody would maybe respond like, with one or two words afterwards or something like that. Um, just because I didn't know how to leave them alone. I didn't know that that was the nonverbal cue to leave me alone. I'm done with this conversation. If there wasn't a formal, okay, well, I gotta go. Bye. Um, and me being, um, someone with NLD, another aspect of this disorder is not really be able, being able to identify, when someone has a different viewpoint than you or being able to think of multiple perspectives. And so for me, um, I wasn't connected to um, technology 24-7. That was not something that was at my disposal growing up. So frequently when people left me on read or ghosted me, um, my, my response was just, oh, maybe they had to go to dinner or maybe they got off their computer or any of these things that were not malicious at all. It was just they'll get to me when they have a chance, when they see it. Um, maybe they closed down the messenger app and don't come back to it for a couple of days. It didn't even occur to me that they could be having a whole other social interaction just on another tab with somebody they wanted to speak to and not me. Um, but once I got my NLD diagnosis and started learning more about it and recognizing, oh, maybe I'm giving these people too much credit. Maybe I'm being too faithful, too kind, um, and just missing out on big clues that they didn't want to be around me. I started to be able to share with people that I met in college, um, hey, I have this disorder. Sometimes it's really hard for me to practice empathy, so I need you to be patient with me. I need you to communicate really explicitly how you're feeling. Because if you tell me, I'll be able to understand, but I can't guess. Um, and this led to um, some pretty clear fallout with friends later. Um, but it was my sophomore year of college um, that out of nowhere, um, I started getting ghosted by people. Um, the first was a girl that lived across the hall from me. Um, we were pretty good friends. We did a lot of stuff together as freshmen. Um, and then the summer after our freshman year, um, I read her favorite book. I annotated her favorite book and I sent it um, in the mail to her home in California um, because that's what I do for friends that I care about. It's I read your favorite book and I annotate it with my impressions and thoughts. And I never heard back from her that she'd received it 
There was no thank you for the happy birthday wish, no text messages, no reaching out. Um, and that was pretty sucky, but I just chalked it up too. That's just what what happens. But another one of our friends was pretty upset about this. She's like, no, it's not just what happens. That's somebody being shitty. That's somebody ghosting you. And so I learned about this whole idea of ghosting um, in this moment from this other friend who said, this is pretty unjust that you worked so hard to do something nice for someone and they don't have the decency to tell you they don't actually want to be your friend. Well, flash forward about six months and this friend, um, we'll call her um, friend K. Um, friend K was the one who was pretty upset about um, this other friend who I read the book for not responding and for ghosting. But um, friend K and I had had some struggles. I was feeling that she um, just needed to work on some things personally. And she was tired of, she was tired of me. And I understand her needing to take a break from me, but she totally, totally ghosted me. Um, we had had a little disagreement like a month before my birthday. And a few weeks before my birthday, I started planning an event. So I included her with a couple of friends into a group text message, inviting everybody out to dinner to celebrate my birthday. And I don't get any responses from her. You know, it's the day before my birthday and I'm like, okay, I have not heard from you for several weeks. Are we okay? Is everything fine? Nothing. I get nothing from her. And then the friend who I had sent the book to reached out to me and wished me a happy birthday. After months of not hearing for her, from her, she wished me a happy birthday. And so I called up friend Kay and I was like, hey, this other person wished me a happy birthday and you didn't. And you're supposed to be my best friend. What gives? And again, no response whatsoever and this was heartbreaking because I had just been dumped my other very close friend had moved away I was in a very fragile state and I don't think she wanted conflict I think she just wanted to ignore it and let it go but that doesn't really work with people who have our disorder um we are not necessarily people that like conflict but I think we crave confrontation because during confrontation, people communicate with us um, in ways that we can understand. During confrontation, somebody might be really explicit with you and say, these are the things I don't like. And this is why I don't want to spend time with you. And I do think we need that. I think most of us crave that bluntness. Um, we don't want to be hurt, but we want to be heard. Um, and we want to hear others too. And so anyways... I push harder because I'm not willing to let this lie. I'm still believing that if you talk about anything, you can work it out. It's not irreconcilable differences. It's just this core fear of if you don't understand me, then you're not going to like me. So let me help you understand where I'm coming from a little bit more and vice versa of I want to understand where you're coming from. But um, 
sometimes when you push, you push too far. Um, And friend Kay stated that she didn't want to be as good friends with me as we had been. She wanted some space. She wanted some distance. And that's when I just drew a line and said, hey, if you want some distance, that's fine. But I can't backpedal this this relationship because it's my birthday. (laughs) And you didn't have the decency to tell me before this. You ruined my birthday. I'm crying in the bathroom on the night before my birthday. Like, I mean, it's, it's now 1201. It's my birthday and, and I'm starting at crying because you didn't know how to talk about how you were feeling. And I think a lot of people grow up with the mindset of if you can't say anything nice, you shouldn't say anything at all. And so a lot of people, especially here in the Midwest, like I said, I'm in Indianapolis. I was in Indianapolis for college. Um, a lot of people just avoid that conflict. Um, they play nice. They play pretend. They act like everything's fine um, when they have to deal with you. Because who wants anyone to feel negatively towards them? But it's so hard for me to understand why people do that why people choose to make non-choices like not responding when you could make a definitive choice and i think the answer is because most people are comfortable with another level of ambiguity that maybe i'm not um and so i'm learning to accept that i'm learning to become more comfortable with it but it's still not my preference when i have an intuition or a sense that something's wrong i'm Still pretty pushy. Um, But um, dating's been a really great way for me to get comfortable with people ghosting me. Um, And it was basically the idea of a dating app saying that you don't owe anyone anything. You don't owe them a response because you have no relationship with them. Um, That helped me become more comfortable with it from people that I don't expect things from. But when you have the belief that somebody is your friend and they care about you and they understand you, moreover, they understand your disorder and what your needs are, um, their inability to meet those needs is so, so heartbreaking. Um, It absolutely sucks. Um, And there's no turning that around. Um, if there's time for me to share another story, I'll basically reiterate the exact same pattern of events, um, sophomore year after this friend, friend K, um, told me that she didn't want to be my friend anymore. I did find a couple more friends, um, S and J and S and J and I did everything together. And then they decided they were going to live together and not include me. And so I'd try to encourage them to come out and do things with me so I'd still get to see them on a regular basis and started with just Friday lunches. And then we didn't have Friday lunches anymore. And months went by when I knew that they were texting each other. I knew they were on social medias. And I knew they just were not responding to me. Um, that, that is such a new low 
just just have decency. And if you don't want to speak to someone, let them know what your boundaries are. Just say, hey. Um, I think the kind of friendship that you want to have with me is not the one I want to have with you. Um, I appreciate how much you care about me, but um, I'm not really interested in developing this friendship or continuing this friendship or anything like that. It sucks in a moment, but it's easier to get over instead of just waiting for years, literally. Um, S and J still have me on red. They, they have never admitted or even had remote communication with me um, for years. And I still think about them. And it's still torture for me to try to understand why they got bored of me, why they got tired of me why they decided they didn't like me had they just pitied me because we lived together and I was a good person to have around but not really one that they wanted to spend time with I'm never going to know their answers or their reasons and I think that that is something that I need to stop fixating on because I have people in my life now that that love me and cherish me and care very 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 much about about me whether they respond to messages or not so i can relate to ellen's because i know how difficult it can be to reach social cues empathy sorry emphasize sorry try to empathize with somebody and sympathize with people got tongue tied there I've also gotten better at empathy because I've gotten better at reading social cues and facial expressions. I can also identify with her stories because I need direct feedback and communication to know what someone means. Otherwise, I might be reading too much into the situation. I also know that talking to neurotypicals is hard because NVLDers and I do this too, can monologue too much sometimes without realizing it. This can be discouraging to talk or for NVLDers because if a neurotypical doesn't respond, then it's like they're, then it's like, what's wrong with me? And it's also like, why am I talking with myself? You know, um, I remember talking with, about this with my NVLD friends and realizing that I'm on a log a lot and that they do it too. And just realizing how we deal with that and how we try to stop it. And it's not always easy. And when you're doing it, you have to realize, oh, how long you've been talking and the fact that you're monologuing and that, okay, now the next person should talk. And the fact that you've been talking too much and that you need to let the other person contribute to the conversation so that it doesn't seem like you're monopolizing it. So the next one is going to be Megan. And she hasn't been on this podcast either but she will be in the future. And um, I think she did a really good job with her story as well. So 
Here's Megan. Hi, my name is Megan and I'm from Canada. I own my own business called Beautiful Minds and I'm a child and youth care practitioner. I work with youth with learning disabilities, empowering themselves to see their ability. I've had experiences with ghosting both through friendship and through my romantic life. I've had experiences with friends who I've texted and reached out and tried to make plans with, but I've later been ignored. This is hurtful and often very confusing. It also leaves me feeling like I no longer have a friend. In a romantic experience, I was dating a guy and he one day decided to just stop messaging me. This left me feeling really hurt and confused as I felt we had a really good connection. Having NVLD and being ghosted makes you feel more sensitive. I am often left feeling hurt and confused and even worse as if something's wrong with me. It's a really cold feeling and not very nice. I just wish more people could communicate before it comes to ghosting. I can relate to Megan's because after all, I agree with her that they should be able to communicate more before it comes to ghosting because I am more sensitive because of that happening to me. Also, I sometimes think about what is wrong with me and realize there is nothing wrong with me. It's more of them than me usually, because maybe something is going on in their life that they're not telling me about or telling you about if you've gone through ghosting. And if you have, I'm sorry. It's not a very nice thing to go through. Okay, so the next story is from Catherine, who also has not been on the podcast, but I would like her to in the future if she wants to. And she also did a good job with telling her experience of being ghosted. Hi, my name is Katie Farrell. I am a mental health counselor out in Seattle, Washington. So I was first diagnosed with NVLD when I was about 12 years old. I unfortunately didn't know about it until I was in my 30s and um, got myself neuropsych tested. So I was asked to contribute a story on ghosting. And ghosting was, was really painful for me when I was an adolescent and I was in my 20s because I didn't understand it. Um, I just understood that I wanted to connect with people and I wanted to be friends with people and I would um, invest a lot in the friendships that I had and when people out of nowhere just stopped responding or seemed to lose interest in the friendship um, I didn't understand like I didn't know how to anticipate that so it would just come out of nowhere, at least to me. <laughs> and um, I would try to re-engage them. I'd try to reach out. I'd try to say like, hey, what's going on? It's been a while. And um, acknowledge the reality that the friendship had changed. And um, when people didn't acknowledge to me that it had changed or they'd say, 
you know, oh, I've been busy or um, just whatever kind of sidestep um, or even if they if they responded at all, um, it it really made me question my experience and my reality. And it it could be kind of traumatic. <laughs> I just it hurt and it could lead to some anger Um and it felt, depending on how close the friendship was or the relationship was, um, it felt like a kind of heartbreak. Um, in the ADHD world, there's a term called rejection-sensitive dysphoria, which is intense feelings of rejection sensitivity and intense just worry and kind of hypervigilance about um, how you're being perceived and um, how others are responding to you and just kind of hypersensitivity in social experiences. And that was something that I, I very much experienced. Um, so as far as how I move about in the world, in autism language, I would be considered high functioning. Um, I did well in school. I have friendships, have friendships throughout my life. Um, I, you know, went to graduate school, I was employed, um, I run a business, I am a therapist, so I build relationships, long-term relationships, and I help people with things like this. And I've actually had clients throughout my, throughout my time as a therapist that have come to me specifically from being ghosted, um, and from just the acute pain and confusion and this is neurotypical folks, but mostly um, neurodiverse folks, ADHD, autism, um, NVLD. And it just, it sticks in a way, depending on who someone is clearly, but it can just really stick in the brain in a, like, what did I do? Um, I need to understand this. What if this happens again? Um, and it can, it can, you know, being ghosted by someone close to you can just decimate the ability to trust oneself and one's perception of friendships and of relationships. So I think some of the ways that I've learned to work with it is to keep an awareness of who's in my life and how much energy, emotional energy, I'm investing in the people in my life. So to ensure that I have people who have healthy conflict, who will let me know if there's a problem um, in our relationship. And honestly, if, if everything seems to be going smoothly in my relationships, I don't quite trust that um, because there's always conflicts. There's always, you know, oh, that's not the movie I want to watch. Or, hey, when you chew this way, it really bugs me. Um, so if there are no conflicts, I wonder, I wonder if I'm going to be ghosted. I wonder if there's, um, things that aren't being talked about. And especially if I'm around someone and they're, they're bringing up, um, concerns or complaints about other people. And I say, you know, maybe that's something that might be good to talk about with this, you know, third person. If my friend or my colleague doesn't do that, then it, Let's me know to um, be a little bit cautious about how this other person is handling um, 
their relationships and also to elicit feedback in the relationships of, you know, is there something that could be improved? Um, I think some other things that have, that have helped me is a mindfulness practice. So meditation, awareness, the ability to um, watch my own emotions, watch my reactions, to take a step back, um, and to take things as much as I can, less personally. Life happens, people get busy, um, people up and flow out of each other's lives, and it's not always personal. A lot of times it's not. So to mix this awareness of it's not personal with having people in my life that I can like reality check and bounce ideas off of or get feedback from to help me understand when um, I may be doing something that could push people away. Um, yeah, and studying psychology, <laughs> having community, um, having compassion for myself and for others. But it's, you know, ghosting has left scars with me and with a lot of my clients. So I hope this, this helps give voice to other folks' experience or bring some compassion and some empathy to those of you who may not be as affected by ghosting. Thanks. So I can relate to Catherine's because I know what it's like to work on trying not to take something personally and how hard that can be to do sometimes. And also trying to learn coping skills to be better at certain things in life. And sometimes those coping skills work and sometimes they don't. And sometimes you just have to wait for yourself to heal from something that affected you and realize that it's okay and that you have to be gentle with yourself. That's what I have been doing since I've been ghosted most recently. And it's been a slow process of healing. Music has been something that has been helping me when I've been going through this and talking to my friends and family about it as well. But there's one thing I've learned in life is that all the things that you struggle through make you stronger. And I think that what doesn't knock you down also makes you stronger. I've struggled through many things and have made that have made me stronger and I never give up on myself. The next story is from Jeff L and he was on this podcast and he was in the episode about math and he was my math tutor in high school and his story is a short one but it is a good one. Here's Jeff. So I met this girl on Tinder and we started talking and, and we hit it off and and we decided, hey, let's set up a, a coffee date at the local university cafe because we were both students at that university. Set it for about a week out. And uh, of course, in the meantime, you know, we keep talking over Tinder and uh, we talk for a couple of days. And then I one day go into my Tinder app and I look and, and I can't find my messages to and from her. And... In fact, I can't find her at all because she's unmatched me. And, of course, this is just devastating. I'm like, what did I do? I have absolutely no idea. But I figure, well, 
you know, last shred of hope. Maybe, just maybe, it was a mistake, and she didn't mean to, and she'll be at the coffee date, and she'll be like, oh, I'm so happy that you came, and, and you know, I hit the button by accident, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I go to the coffee date. She's not there. Uh, and, of course, this is devastating for me again. But there's one final bit that hurt even more. And that was that during our time talking, we had figured out that both being students at the university, uh, we had a class that was one off from each other, where she had a class in a lecture hall and I had a class in that lecture hall and hers was directly before mine. So I had the, let's say, distinct pleasure of getting to watch three days a week, every week for the next month, as she walked by me without any sense of recognition, and then I never saw her again. So I can relate to Jeff's experience, and thank you for doing the recording, Jeff, because I was ghosted by someone on a dating app too, but we hadn't gone on any dates, but he stopped responding to my messages. This has happened to me more than once. I send a guy a message and they either don't respond or they stop contacting me. And I'm sure that's difficult for anybody who's experienced that because it's like you're trying to wait for that person to respond and you're interested in them and you think they might be interested in you and you want to know if they are and if they don't respond, then you kind of get the answer that they're not. And rejection isn't easy. And it can teach you many things in life. And the next story is from Allison, who hasn't been on this podcast either. I know I have a lot of stories from people who haven't been on this podcast, but that's okay. I, I enjoy learning about more people. So Allison she is going to tell her experience as well. And she did a good job with explaining different experiences with ghosting that she's had throughout her life. So here's Allison. Hi, my name is Allison Weimer and I identify as a neurodivergent adult with nonverbal learning disorder. I'm here today to share with you my experience with being ghosted throughout my lifetime um, I've definitely experienced ghosting um, from when I was in the more social aspect of life in my preteens all the way up until now. Um, however, my experience with ghosting has differed throughout the years of my life. When I was younger, in my early teens up until my early 20s, I had the experience of being ghosted, but I don't think I realized at the time that I was being ghosted. You see, due to my difficulties with social interaction and reading um, nonverbal cues, when I would reach out to somebody through a phone call or through text, or back in the day it was uh, AIM Messenger, and I didn't receive a response, I didn't realize that somebody was probably intentionally ignoring me. Um, instead, I thought, oh, maybe they're not home. Maybe they didn't get my call, and I would just persist in 
trying to reach out to them. Um, and again, just because of my lack of neurotypical social standards and awareness, I did not realize that they were probably ghosting me at the time. Um, and this, again, it continued up until, I would say, my early 20s. Um, but I would say during that time, I started to have more awareness of what was going on. I don't know if it was from masking at the time or being able to read better or probably just maybe more maturity. Um, but I started to realize that perhaps this may be the case. Um, and almost overly so where I would worry if somebody didn't respond back to me right away that they were perhaps ghosting me. Um, they continued up into for my late twenties um, and into my thirties, which I just turned this year. I still unfortunately experience being ghosted um, despite the, um, my age and maturity and the age of my friends and I guess they're so supposed maturity. Um, now the ghosting hurts more than ever. Um, more recently I've had friends um, from college or past experiences where I reached out and heard nothing back, um, sometimes multiple times. And I think what hurts the most for me in these experiences and being ghosted is that I don't understand why I'm being ghosted. I mean, honestly, that's happened a lot in my life when I've been ghosted. I don't, I don't understand why. Um, and I think when neurotypicals choose to use this immature and, um, I would say, cowardly method of ghosting people, they assume that someone will be able to understand the reasons why they're ignoring them or why they've cut them off or why they're ghosting them. Well, that's fine and well for maybe some neurotypicals. Maybe they'll be able to understand what they did to cause this rift but for neurodivergent people like me especially those of us who struggle with those nonverbal cues or reading social situations we don't understand why we've been ghosted or what we might have done um we can't always infer or sometimes we over infer but maybe can't even just figure out what the reason is when Someone doesn't tell us directly. So that is why for me, I really wish that people wouldn't use this as a method for cutting people off or even just as a means of communication. I don't even think it feels good for neurotypical people either. Um, I wish instead that people would be direct and open with their communication um, even if it may hurt, um, because at least it gives us a understanding of what may have happened or what the situation is, um, versus being ghosted, which hurts so much more. <laughs> it makes you feel like you're not even a person, um, because your whole personhood is just being ignored. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, sorry, it just <laughs> I need a minute because it was just really hard to think about that. Um, but overall, yes, ghosting just hurts a whole lot more, and you'll spend a lot more time ruminating, going for you had all the possible reasons what could have gone wrong when. It probably would have helped if the person could have just been direct to begin with. Um, but that's that's personally my experience with being ghosted. Um, I'm hoping it differs as I get older and also maybe as I get more bravery and just asking people directly what went wrong. Because it's also on us too to try and figure out as well. Um, but again, that's my experience. Oh, it was helpful for other people. Um, bye. So Allison, you did a great job with your story because you were able to explain how ghosting affected you over your whole life. And I hope she wasn't affected by it later in life too, because it does hurt. Like she said, I didn't know either why I was ghosted for any of the times and I've had to learn to be okay with that and not to take ghosting so personally, which can be hard to do sometimes. Something may be going on with the ghoster, the one doing the ghosting, but you don't know because they won't communicate with you, which is the most annoying and concerning thing about being ghosted. And also with that, it's it's makes it difficult because if you don't know what's going on with them, you're gonna go, you might go to that worst case scenario of, oh, are they okay? do they need support from me? And if you do, then sometimes that might make you um, just really realize that um, that they're not contacting you and if they need support and they wanted it from you, they probably would have been contacting you. And that can make it be difficult. So, um, the next story is from Natalie, who has been on this podcast, and she helped me do um, one of the interviews with, um, actually, she helped me do Lauren's interview, and I want to thank her for helping me with that, and um Her story is a good one, and it does talk about being sexually assaulted. So if that is a trigger for you, just be forewarned. Here's Natalie. This is a story about when I was ghosted. When I was in college in my freshman year, I was sexually assaulted, and immediately after the incident, I went to my best friend at the time for help. So she was there while we contacted the local authorities and the police came and questioned me and everything and she was there the whole time. Um, obviously I was really traumatized so I was ill um, 
physically from the incident. And over time, I noticed that my friend was talking to me less and less in the coming weeks and months after the incident, um, which was disappointing for me at first because, you know, this was a time of my life where I needed my friends the most. And for the first time, I felt like she was distancing herself from me. Um, she would reply to my texts less and less, um, use kind of just short responses, like she didn't really want to talk to me. So I obviously picked up on that and stopped reaching out to her because I didn't want to bother her. But this was someone that I thought was my best friend during my first semester of college. Later, I found out through a mutual friend of mine and hers, so someone that was my friend and also her friend, that she had said she basically didn't want to be my friend anymore because everything that had happened was too emotional and too dramatic for her, which was really disappointing that, you know, I had to find it out through my other friend. Um, I understand maybe my trauma had brought up a trigger for her or was difficult to, to deal with, but I really just wish that she had communicated to me that she wasn't really able to be there to support me and I would have really understood rather than ghosting me. Um, so yeah, I've been ghosted. I think probably most people have been in their life and it's unfortunate, but it's just something that happens and we can only learn from our experiences how to better communicate with others. So I can relate to Natalie's recording and her experience because I also was sexually assaulted. So I know what it's like to need friends and family the most in desperate times. I remember that for me, it was like I went through two traumas, the abuse and all the family drama because most of my extended family didn't believe my story. They minimized it to just show and tell and said it was my fault. None of those things are true. I did get abused and assaulted by my cousin. It wasn't my fault because I was a child when it happened and I didn't know any better. I had to deal with the grief of losing my, sorry, losing most of my extended family members from the abuser's family. This wasn't easy because they turned their backs on us. It was like they ghosted because they supported, loved, and had faith and trust and loyalty in us. But then poof, it went away and was gone after they knew what had happened. I know this may not seem to be the same as ghosting, but it does have some of the same elements, disappearing, support, contact, love, and loyalty, and trust. All that disappeared when we needed it the most from our family. So we made a new family out of friends and some family members that did believe me completely 100%. If you want to know more about this trauma and how it affected me and my family. Please listen to episode 20 on this podcast. Thank you. And thank you, Natalie, for sharing your story. So the next story is from Jeff Hopi, 
who was also in this podcast, and his voice was done by Jonathan, my brother. And I wanted Jonathan to do his voice again because it was a familiar voice for the audience. And Jeff was, or Jonathan, was in the episode on taxes, and he did Jeff's voice then, and he will do Jeff's voice again. So here is... Jonathan telling Jeff's experience of being ghosted. Okay, so I'm here with Jonathan, my brother, who will be doing Jeff Hopi's voice today, and he will be telling Jeff's story about being ghosted. And he also did Jeff's voice in the story or episode about taxes. And so I would like to start about asking Jonathan, who is doing Jeff's voice, about what his story is about being ghosted. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, Jeff says, I was diagnosed with NLD in adulthood. I live in Washington, D.C. area, where I work as an assistant cellarman at a local craft brewery. I think my main problem with being ghosted is that it compounds the isolation I already feel with NLD. I've been ghosted before in dating situations, but the most frequent ghosting I experience is from the job hunt. I've applied to more jobs than I could hope to keep track of, and most never get back to me. I don't even get a rejection. I send out applications knowing I likely won't hear anything back. The main problem with this is that I don't know what to improve on if they don't tell me why they've rejected me. A lesser problem is the emotional strain. Imagine saying hello to 100 people at a mixer, and 98 of them ignore you and walk away. That's what the job hunt feels like. Since I already have enough trouble communicating when people do get back to me, it's a one-two punch to not hear back at all. That's where the compounded isolation comes in. The downside is that this is a lot of emotional strain. The upside is that it toughens me up and forces me to keep trying. Not hearing back from HR also forces me to be creative and get out of my comfort zone. For instance, after months of unsuccessfully job hunting, I started Instacarting to make ends meet. That job turned out to be a good boot camp experience that forced me to improve a lot of the skills that are weak points, thanks to my NLD, such as time management, executive function, and visual spatial skills. If the job hunt had been easier, I probably wouldn't have had to look outside for an opportunity like Instacart. Thank you, Jeff, for your response. So I can relate to Jeff because I also have been ghosted in the world of applying to jobs. I don't remember how many I haven't heard back from because I haven't kept track of them since that would be or could be discouraging if you can think about it too much. Also, I can understand not knowing the why as Jeff called it because it's hard to be rejected and not know why. It makes you question yourself and probably too much. Since you don't know why they said no instead of maybe or yes. Rejections do toughen you up because then you learn how to deal with not hearing back from people and realizing why you shouldn't take things personally and hopefully not too personally. Because if you do it, usually it doesn't suit you that well in life, at least that is what I discovered in life. And that is Jeff's story. So the next one will be 
Anna, and she has been on this podcast, but you haven't listened to her recording yet, but you will in the future. And she does a good job at telling her story as well of being ghosted. And I want to thank her for submitting a story also. So here's Anna. Hello, this is Anna from New Hampshire. I was diagnosed with NLD at the age of 28 in 2010. When I was five years old, I had a vague diagnosis of specific learning disabilities, which I believe was actually NLD and dyscalculia and dysgraphia. Having someone I felt was a friend abruptly become uninterested in friendship is actually one of the biggest nightmares I have. I literally do have bad dreams about that, about kind of the betrayal or shock of them no longer wanting to be my friend. It's really the only thing that I do have nightmares about. I'm not really afraid of anything else. Um, So that just sort of explains that this is kind of a tough topic, although it hasn't been something that happens in my life regularly. I didn't have a lot of friendships or true friendships with peers until I was about 19, so I'm very well aware of what it feels like to be disconnected from people and be lonely in that way. So I think that's where the fear comes from, and I think I value each individual relationship that comes into my life strongly. Um, There was once a time when there was somebody that I was close to for about a year who had just stopped really talking to me. So if I reached out to this person um, instead of the long back and forths and deep conversations we had been having, it would just be quick answers. And I noticed this person wasn't reaching out to me directly. So I actually brought it up in therapy with a therapist that I don't see anymore and didn't see for very long um, that I felt like this person was done with me and done with our friendship. And instead of going into kind of how that made me feel or what I was going to do about it or if I, you know, should start a conversation or how I could handle that, um, kind of helping me with maybe the social skills of being assertive, which is probably the social skill that I have the most challenges with, the therapist just sort of implied that I was being dramatic and that that wasn't really happening. Um and that she probably wasn't actually done with me. So that's kind of how it went when I tried to, you know, work through that. So I kind of tried again and got the same sort of response. Well, not long after a social media post uh, that this person put up led me to kind of believe that, you know, the friendship was done. There was something implied there that other people wouldn't get, but I was able to get and, um, could tell that it was kind of directed at me and one other person implying that the friendship wasn't there anymore. So I started to try and do a comment back that was supposed to be kind of friendly and sort of silly, like, hey, you know, like, what are you talking about without being too obvious? And I decided not to, but I accidentally did post um, three little periods, kind of implying like what I was about to write. I was like, what? Um, And I quickly erased them, but this person did see them and texted me back and basically said that the relationship had changed and I knew that what was 
meant was the relationship was over. Um, and I know some people would brush that off who would want a friend that didn't want to be their friend. But for me, after those experiences of my childhood and adolescence of not having actual friendships that were not cousins or family members, um, I do take very seriously the relationships I develop and I don't, I'm, I don't come in and out of close relationships with any people. I kind of take them seriously and it's not, you know, if, if, it's, if it ends, it ends for reasons. It doesn't end just because someone kind of felt done with the relationship. So I certainly understand the pain and sort of fear of ghosting that I think many people who might have similar experiences to me would understand. So I can relate to Anna because I also have only had true relationships since college and after college. I was able to get better at my relationships because I know more about Emily now and myself. I'm sorry that Anna's therapist didn't help her that much with her friendship because it's hard to be ghosted. And her therapist should have helped her more. I can understand what Anna is talking about because I do the same thing with relationships. And this is why I need to understand the scale of them better. And also, I realize that it can be hard to understand the scale of a relationship if you think that it's deeper and better and more um, and that you're closer to that person than they are to you. And that can make it difficult for you to be in that relationship if you realize that. And that's something that I've had to come to terms with and learn from being ghosted this most recent time. And the next and final story is Laurel. And she is a friend from college. And she and I still keep in touch. And she has not been on this podcast either, but this is her first time on it. And I think her story is a good one to end this episode with. Hello, listeners of Jennifer's Amazing Podcast, Living with an Invisible Learning Disability. I'm Laurel. Um, I'm Jennifer's friend from college. I'm neurotypical, as far as I know. And I have been ghosted. So... Back in elementary school, I had a really, really, really close friend. He was definitely my best friend. This was the kind of friend that you have sleepovers with, and then you two are having so much fun that your parents just let you sleep over another day. This is the type of friend where you go on family vacations with their family because you're so close that you guys are basically family, too. Um, so he and I were extremely close, uh, spent a lot of time together throughout elementary school, even though we went to different schools. Uh, we met at daycare, actually. Um, and we must have been friends for like, oh geez, five years? I don't know, maybe more, seven years? Um, but that sort of started to change once we got into middle school. So 
the way middle school worked in my town was there was one really big public middle school and one much smaller charter school that was a hybrid middle and high school. So my friend uh, ended up transferring in seventh grade from the public middle school to the charter uh, school, which if you all don't know what a charter school is, it's essentially, it's sort of a hybrid private public Um, you have to pay to attend, but it's also funded through property tax, like a public school. Um, and there was a lottery to get in. So it was sort of a prestigious achievement to get into this school. So anyway, my friend gets into this school and immediately we start talking less, which at first makes sense because even though we didn't go to the same elementary school, we did go to the same middle school for that one year, sixth grade. So I sort of don't really think anything of it. You know, I'm busy with other middle school problems and <laughs> for me, there were a lot. So I, I didn't really pay attention to the fact that it felt like we were drifting apart. But after a while, I started to notice that, you know, he wouldn't return my calls to his landline or he would answer very shortly and say that he didn't have time to hang out or that he was doing something else. Um, and eventually that contact dropped off more and more until I realized that he and I just didn't talk anymore. So it was kind of a sort of a gradual ghosting where he limited contact uh, and then we just um, sort of drifted apart. But I do remember that about six months after uh, I'd been ghosted by him, our parents, because, you know, they were friends, uh, because we were childhood friends, parents become friends, all of that. And our parents organized a movie night for the two of us. We went to see Hugo in theaters. Very good movie, by the way. And when we got out of the movie, I was trying to hang out with this old friend of mine. And it was like we'd become two completely different people. We didn't really have anything to talk about. It felt like we didn't have anything in common anymore. And that was very sad. It was a really tough experience for me, especially at this point as like an early high schooler, to realize that I had lost one of my closest friends from elementary school. But it turned out that there was a little bit of a silver lining to this because, uh, surprise, surprise, he'd actually done this to his other friends and his other best friend, uh, who also had remained in public school. And me and my former friends, uh, also former best friend, became friends and we're really close now, today. Um, we sort of bonded over the experience of being ghosted by this guy and it blossomed into a really amazing, fulfilling, fun friendship. So if there's a moral to this story, it's that sometimes, I guess, people leave your life and you're left realizing that there are still great people in there. And sometimes it's not such a loss if someone who's going to, you know, have that behavior leaves. So, yeah, that's my experience with being ghosted. Um... I'm sure there's someone out there who can relate. So if you can, just know I see you. Okay. So thank you, Laurel, to submitting a story. I can relate to your experience because ghosting can hurt, 
but that depends on how close you are to the person that does it to you. It can feel like you go through grief and the loss of losing that relationship. It helps if you have people to support you going through this because of it being something hard to do, and I'm glad that I do have support. But hopefully you will, like Laurel said, realize that people leave your life at times in your life. Then that leaves space for you to create a new relationship and nurture the existing ones that aren't going well. Something that I did recently with people that I text is I ask them if I text too much and if I go off topic too much or change the topic too much. And I um, got some really good feedback on that and was able to moderate my texting and tell them when I'm changing the topic and be able to know how to um, text better and who I can text a lot and who I can't text a lot and how it can be overwhelming for some people. And I'm glad that I did this because I want to be able to nurture the friendships I have now more, excuse me, and be able to um, create some new ones and make sure that when I do that, that I can keep them. So as I wrap up today, I would like to um, just say that You know, it's not easy to be ghosted, and I hope that nobody out there has experienced this, but I'm sure somebody has, and if you have, I'm sorry that you have. I know I didn't have anything to do with it, or at least I hope I didn't, and um, I hope that you have learned something from that experience if you have had that happen to you, and here's an article about ghosting that I wanted to give you the link to because it does help explain how you can heal from it and how to have it not happen again. I'll put the link in the podcast description. Also, please listen to the music video by Matthew West singing the song Walking Miracles. It's a song I think he recently did and I like it because it makes you feel better about bad things that might have happened to you but that you've gone through in life and that have made you stronger. So as I wrap up today I would like to thank everyone of my friends Jeff, Hopi, Lauren, Jonathan, Purcell, Anna, Jeff, Al, Laurel, Megan, Chloe, Allison, and Natalie, and Anna, who contributed to this episode. Oh, and Catherine. Sorry, I almost forgot to say her name. <laughs> um, 
and be able to just say thank you to all the people because I learned something from each of those stories and learned something new about all of you. And also thank you to Ellen who contributed to this episode as well. And I really appreciate the new knowledge that I have from all of you and from going through this journey myself. I am so grateful that I haven't gone through this journey by myself, but instead with a wonderful support circle of family and friends to help me get through it. It's never easy to be ghosted. It's not easy to lose that person that ghosted you, whether they were a friend or significant other. It's often hard to imagine your life without them because of the closeness of the relationship you had with them. Letting go of them may be easier for some than others due to how close you were to the one who ghosted you. Nevertheless, there will be a difference in your life because they're not in it anymore. That difference may be big or small. Consequently, the hole it leaves behind will be big or small. If I had to say which times I've been ghosted changed my life the most, I would say that it was the first one in college with a girl in math class and the current one this year. The most recent one was unexpected, so I didn't think it was going to happen. The one in college was surprising because of the girl's other commitments. She had the club. But I kind of expected it. And thought that it might happen. Um, but at least they both helped me learn who will stay in my life and friends circle and who will leave. You may never know why the person who ghosted you did what they did. And you have to be at peace with that which is difficult. This is more difficult for ones with NLD because they often wonder if they are the reason that person ghosted them. When it could have been a result of something the ghoster was going through personally but didn't know how to bring up. Hopefully you will be able to not take the ghosting personally and be able to learn something from it so you can move on and let go of that relationship. As I wrap up, I would like to remind you, my audience, that this is one of those challenges that both NLDers and neurotypicals experience. I hope I was able to make someone out there who has experienced ghosting not feel alone by letting them know they're not the only one who has experienced it. Please comment on this episode with something you learned from being ghosted. You can comment on livingwithnld.com, YouTube, or email me at livingwithnld at gmail.com. Hope you learned something new today. Talk to you next Friday. Bye. As I wrap up, there are some things I would like to share with you. I do have a website for this podcast. It is called livingwithnld.com. I also have a Facebook and Instagram page for this podcast. It is called Living with NLD. I will include the links for those in the description. 
In conclusion, I would like to hear from my audience. If you know individuals with NLD that I could interview for this podcast, please email me at livingwithnld at gmail.com. What are you interested in learning about NLD? I know I'm not an expert, but I do know I have the living experience of having it. I would like you to practice journaling about your gifts and differences. Also see if there is a way that you can make that difference become easier for you to do than it originally was. Thank you for listening today, and please go to my YouTube channel and subscribe to it. Thank you. Bye.